stick with that. Right, everybody, welcome, Raw Talk Podcast. I keeping on the theme just now with real people, real life stories. Um, I have today, I have a Glasgow boy who lives in Paris now, uh, somebody who has kind of grabbed, grabbed his own, made his own opportunities in life and grabbed it, grabbed it by the boys, uh, set about, set, set about setting a life and changing his life and going out to Paris. I uh, now a business owner, ex-football player and a dad as well. We've got Chris Ewing. Um, Chris, I want to ask you, just just now, obviously, the coronavirus lockdown, how are things, you're in Paris just now, how are things affected your, your day-to-day? Um, it's a bit strange, to be honest. Like, everybody's affected with this. It's not just here in Paris. It's actually literally, obviously, like global. Aye, um, aye. You're stuck in the house with three, three kids running right, trying to get work done, <laughs> and the wife trying to get work done on it as well. So, um, Nobody easy, but it's um, just about adapting and getting on with it. And at the end of the day, mate, there's always, always somebody worse off than yourself. You know what I mean? Of course, so, aye. aye. So, uh, it's been a challenge, but you know what? That's what life is. Life's full of me. That's, that's exactly, mate. Yeah. Aye. Do you um, do you usually work from home, or have you got an office there? I've got an office in Paris, so right. you know, usually I'm uh, I'm out and about, and you know, I'm able to get the house. So this is. I do have a wee office in the house as well, which helps. But uh, helps, I'm not usually on it. Yeah. You're usually out and about. So, uh, what have you been? What have you been doing then? What you, as, uh, to fill your days, have you been able to keep up with some work stuff, or is work totally stopped for you? No, no, I've been really. I mean, for the, obviously, I only just got academy. So, um, you know, the big, you know, the big challenge for us is how do we actually recruit new players for next season? Right. So, um, how we usually do that is we do things called detections, which is basically trial events. So we'll go right. all over France and we'll have like showcase games and we'll pick the best players. Yeah. Obviously, because there's no football at the moment, we can't do that. So we have to adapt and we have to try and see how we're going to recruit players um, right. remotely. So we do right. a lot of this kind of thing through Zoom, yeah, help yeah, yeah. players and see what their motivations yeah. are. Um, so we're able to we're able to do that. You know, I've got five five staff um, here in Paris who work on the recruitment with me as well. So I'm quite fortunate that way. Um, so no, still able to get some some work done to be fair, which is good. You mentioned you're uh, you're working from home and you've got you've got three kids. Yeah. How are you managing to juggle that? Are you setting aside set time that I work in the morning, I finish at twelve o'clock, and then in the afternoon I play with the wains, or are you just trying to do things as and when? I'll freak off, mate. To be honest, you know, trying my bit. My wife, she's really good with schooling the kids, so she takes the kids there upstairs at the minute. You know, keep keeping quiet. I'm <laughs> doing a lot with my wife. <laughs> Um, but you always get the one who'll come in and she'll want to get a biscuit off you and she'll the other one who want to go and play table tennis or the other one who want to play <laughs> something. So we're just trying to juggle things, you know, and trying again keep it real because as much as the business is important and as much as you need to obviously work to crack yep. on with things, I mean, if you're looking at this, if, if you're going to get any positive at this situation, the fact is that we can all spend more time with our families. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Has it changed your outlook at all or has it made you appreciate anything? Do you know, do you know what, mate? I've always been quite lucky that way. I've always really appreciated how lucky I'm in life and what I've got, particularly with my kids. But it does put things in perspective because you look at some of the NHS workers and some of the figures that have come out and there's literally yeah. hundreds and thousands of people dying every day. And it just makes you realise how fragile life is, do you know what I mean? Aye. So when you do have time to spend with your kids and, and have a laugh, and, and it's hard as a business owner because you do get conditioned to not necessarily making money, but just being busy and doing but things. I, and sometimes you need to get back and see, you know what, the most important thing in life is, is literally it's your family and your yeah. kids specifically, you know. So I've had the, that's what I've found this time. I've had the business blinkers on for, well, just over four years now since I set my gym up. Um, and this time, 
my wee boy's only just just over one, so I'm, I've basically missed the first year. I only really seen him on a Saturday afternoon and a Sunday. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he's in my house, but um, this, I'm getting up early in the morning and training myself, and then I'm waking him up at half seven, giving him his breakfast, and I've been doing that. I've been doing that since the shutdown, and it's it, it's brilliant. I, I love it. I'm sitting feeding him his breakfast, carrying on with him. I've not been able to do that. Um, so I'm seeing a lot more of him, so that's made me oh, think I need to take the, the business plan because I have a wee bit more. It's going to be good to hear that somebody else is. Get that again, sorry. I'm just saying, kids, they're a great ground there. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you have a shit day at work and you're up, up to your eyes in it, you're under pressure. Kids will say something and just put a bit of perspective, you know. So they're actually, for me, it's a great learning tool as well. You can actually learn so much for your kids just the way they look at life, you know, and it reminds you just, to, just to, to chill out a wee bit, you know, sometimes. Hey, Chris, I want to go back to. No, you just. Bef- I want to go back to just before you moved to Paris. You can take it back further than that if you want. But just before you moved to France, um, what was the kind of major or the big decision? Was there any sort of kind of events or turning point just before that? Because I'm sure before I before I connected with you on social media, I'd read in the paper ages ago that you had you went over to France with something like sixty, seventy quid in your pocket. Is that right? Forty quid. Forty quid. <laughs> and you were twenty pound notes I had. Aye. So I came to Paris for a quid, I have got £17 left, so I've done all right, you know. <laughs> what, age, what age were you? I was 25 when I came over here. Right, so the, take, it, take it back just before that then, what, was the, what, what made you go over or what was the decision? The big, the big turning point in my life was my, I mean I was always a good football player, so I, I signed for Mullerville when I left school and that kind of thing, but my cousin used to play for Ireland. In fact, right. believe it or not, a guy called Tommy Coyne. Right, aye. Right. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye. Do, do you remember a guy called Tommy Coyne? I do, I remember. That's my aye, cousin, aye. right? Um, good player, good player, to be fair. Um, so he, he played for Ireland in the 1994 World Cup. So yep. my dad took me over to New York when I was 15. Um, and that moment literally changed my life because coming from, I'm from Pollock, so I remember when I, you know, touched down in New York for the first time and I saw Manhattan and I was just like, wow, you know, there's, as much as I love Glasgow, I realised at that moment there's other things in life, do you know what I mean? Yep. That, that kind of, there was a wee switch in my brain, just something, you know, made me say, you know what, I need to try and travel, I need to do things, I need to, you know, I can't just stay in Glasgow and Pollock. Uh-huh. So that kind of gave me that wee kind of a bug, if you like. Um, and then I came back and I signed for Motherwell. Um, I came through the youth system under Alex McLeish with some really good players. Did you, um, always. I always say I was an excellent football player until I signed pro. Then I became, <laughs> became very, very, very average. Um, you know, and one long story short, I, get, I ended up I get released from Motherwell. I played for Stranraer. I get released from Stranraer. I kind of found myself going down to divisions. Right. And then I decided to go to America on a scholarship. So I got the opportunity to go to America on a scholarship. I went to New York for a, for a year. Um, it was a difficult time for me because my dad had just passed away. My dad, unfortunately, he died of cancer when he was 47, so he was a young, young guy. I was only 21. I was, nice. I was 21 at the time, so it's a really difficult time um, for, for us as a family. Yep. Um, and literally, my dad died in my arms. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it was, oh, a, wow. you know, it was a big thing for him boy to go through. Aye, of course. Um, so in America, didn't work for me in America because um, you know, I was, if I'm being honest, a blue opportunity. If I'm being honest, I was drinking right. too much. Right. Um, wasn't mature enough certainly was, wasn't mature enough to realise what an opportunity I had in America so yep. I came back and I went back to America a second time this time to Florida right 
Same thing again. I was literally drinking for a full year. Was was never sober. Uh, right. Got to classes drunk. Got to training drunk. Get my scholarship taken off me. Aye. Um, came back to Glasgow. Um, was bombing a bit working in pubs. I was actually working in the bunker. Aye, uh, aye. On Bar Street. Uh, aye, Bar Street. And uh, to get long story short, how I ended up in France. I was up the art school um, for a for a couple of years. And I was a girl came up, a French girl came up to me and she said, "I like your t-shirt." <laughs> Just had a red T-shirt on, so she came on, basically chatted me up, and that was that was it. So we hooked up a few times. She was actually at University of Strathclyde, so she was on Erasmus, you know, like an exchange program. That's right, uh, yeah. And she she ended up going back to France a few weeks later, and we kept in touch with MSN. Do you remember MSN? Aye, aye. us Twitter or Snapchat or anything like that. It was MSN old school. Brilliant. So, um, and she she said to me, "Why don't you come to Paris?" And I thought, you know, why why no? You know, working for minimum wage, I'm staying with my mum and Pollock. I you know what I'm saying? I've got nothing to lose. You know, I says if I, if I go to Paris and it doesn't work, I'll come back to Pollock. She so you came back from America, were you playing football here at all? No, I was out of football and I was just, just working in the bars and just bumming about kind of thing, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I thought, you know what, I'll go to Paris, get nothing to lose. So I went to Paris, I literally had 40 quid, I bought a Ryanair ticket, I had um, a Ryanair ticket for 10 days, and I thought if I can get a job in Paris in those 10 days, then maybe I'll stay. If I don't, then. Yep. I'll just use it as a wee holiday. I was, you know, really naive thinking that 40 quid could last you 10 days in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but, you're lucky I, to get a lunch for that, would you know? Would you know what I mean? You'd be lucky to get a lunch for 40 quid in Paris, would you that know? Would mean, aye, exactly. <laughs> so, no, but, and I, I did, I got a job in an Irish pub my first night there. I had my, my, my backpack, my, my rucksack, and I went in looking for work, and I got a job in a wee Irish pub. My first Probably. night I was there, and that gave me a that gave me a foot in the door. It gave me a start, and I just kind of you know I carried on, and that was it. Aye, was, uh, was it as you expected then? See when you went over, or were your eyes kind of opened and went, "Oh wait a minute, I've did you ever think I've made a mistake here?" No, it was a wee bit this, a wee bit. You go over, you don't really know what you expect. You know, you go over and you think, "All right, Paris, it's a big city." I was actually a wee bit Aye. disappointed because I'd lived in New York. And New York's a city. I don't know if you've been to New York, Mark. No, no, I've not been Have to France. I've, not, I've never been to France, no. It's a city that's got a lot of energy. Have you been to New York? No, no. No, no. Because New York's a city that just grabs you by the balls. It just gets so right. much energy and so much fun. And I was expecting the same for Paris. And to be fair, it wasn't really like that, Paris. Right. Paris is a city that grows on you a wee bit more as you, as you, the longer you stay here. Um, right. But I went over, you know, it was like the first couple of weeks was fine because you're in Paris and you're, you know, it's on you and it's all fun and it's the novelties there. Yeah. But once you, once you know what it wears off, you know, you're still working in a proper minimum wage, do you know what I mean? And you don't aye. speak the language. Of and course, you don't aye. have a lot of pals. And, and what about the lassie? Over. What about the lassie you went over to meet? Aye. If I'm being honest, I don't like to say this, I'm not proud to say this, but I kind of used her to be fair. Because I went right. over there, stayed with her pretty, stay. pretty much. Aye. I'm being honest, I didn't really fancy her, you know, and you, can't, you can only go, you act can only have so long, and then basically, so she said, right, well, if you don't fancy me, you need to get my flat, which I felt to So I was homeless for a while, and I was bumming about, and I was sleeping on sofas, and I was, you know, and I, managed, I got through it, but, and I say Aye. this, probably the, the biggest turning point in my life was after about six weeks in Paris. Because I was asking myself so many questions, I was saying, "Wait, what, what am I doing here? Do you know what I mean? If, you know, I don't, don't have my minimum wage, don't have a flat." And I think a lot of people probably at that stage would have probably said, "Fuck, I'm going back to Glasgow." Yeah. 
but but I never you know I said there's something in me and I don't I trust it, I don't know what it is. I just said, nah, I'm not going back. I want to I'm gonna stick to it. I'm gonna get through this. And to be fair, I did get through it and it's the best thing I've ever done, you know, and I'm Aye. so thankful that I never Do you think it was a wee bit you wanted to you wanted to prove something, see, because you had been to America twice and that hadn't worked out? Do you think it was something when you were over there that you thought, no, I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove to myself or I'm going to prove to my family well, or something? Aye, possibly, aye, maybe, aye, maybe, maybe subconscious. I think probably the biggest thing, my mum, she's, my mum, still is actually, she's a, an alcoholic, my mum, and she she was drinking heavily and I was staying with her right. at the time and I'm thinking, see if I go back to Glasgow, what am I going back to? I'm going back to looking for yeah. a job in a pub or a brick or a building site with me, any offence to anybody, because my, my dad was a brickie, so I need to pull up, but just, you know, what am I going to do? I need to start again. I need to sleep in my mum's couch. Like, yeah. Minute 25. So, so I came, I, I stuck at it. Um, and that was it. And I, as I say, I'm so glad I did because eventually I met my wife in that pub um, that right. I was working in. Did you work in so that same pub for a while then? I worked in that pub for about seven months, which was um, which was good because it just gave you a wee wage and yep. you meet some people and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but eventually, I, I was fortunate enough to get out of the pub scene because the pub scene, if I'm being honest, it was killing me. You know, you're working for four o'clock in the afternoon to two in the yeah. morning, Aye. and then you're good, getting drunk to four in the morning. You're just doing that repeat, repeat, repeat. And as much as that might have been a, a dream to some people when I was younger, when you're, you know, 25, 26, and you're doing it every, every, every day, it becomes a bit tiring, you know. Yeah. So once you're grown up a wee bit, and that. Ah, you know. So I, I managed to get out of that, and I. Oh, it's, and again, it's maybe a wee funny story because I thought, right, if I want to get the pubs, what, what can I do? You know, so I used to play football. I had my, you know, a couple of my coaching qualifications for the SFA. Yes. And I thought, right, how do you get out the pubs? How do you get into football? So, you know, I, I took, as you do, I, I was bold enough to phone up Paris Saint-Germain, believe it or not. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I just I asked him. Guys looking for a coach that speaks English for your summer camps, you know, right. like for the, you know, how they do summer camps and Easter, Easter camps and that kind of thing. Aye. I used to get a lot of international kids coming over for that. And they gave me an interview, so, and I kind of, I kind of bluffed my way through it because I was, you know, pretending I spoke French and that kind of thing. And to be fair, they, they, they gave me a job working with PSG as a coach in there. Like, so you just phoned camps. them up, you just went, fuck so it, I'm going to phone PSG. <laughs> you know, and to be fair, they gave me the job, and that that was great because it puts PSG on your CV, so you can say I'm a coach at PSG, you know, which is uh, oh, pretty Aye. good. And that led me into a, a job in the American School of Paris, coach, and it got me to the pubs, and it gave me a kind of real real job, you know. Yes, aye, aye. Were you were you still drinking at this point, or had you had you chucked it, chucked the booze by then? No, I was still still still, still drinking. Um, yeah, I was still still really present in my life. In fact, right. one of the I had a job at the American School of Paris, and um, we were playing away because in the American school it's an international school community, so you play um, against other international schools. Right. So, for example, you maybe go to London and play the international school in London, and then the next week you're maybe in well, for example, Amsterdam playing the international school of the Hague. Right. Um, okay. And when I was in Amsterdam, I got myself drinking again, got myself into a bit of bother. Right. Um, that, that so I ended up that caused me my job at the American School of Paris, you know, aye, and so loads of stories and loads of loads of bullets dodged. Aye. Um, I so I so getting a bit of bother up in Amsterdam, probably not the first boy for Glasgow to get up. <laughs> <laughs> at least you've done a video and put it on Twitter. <laughs> no, exactly. 
at the same time, I mean, you're going up there as a coach, a, a school, I, you know what I mean? So of course, I, you'll get a bit So it's yep. not great. So, but even that wasn't enough to stop me drinking, you know, after that, right. you know, you get the guilt and all that. But still, I kicked on and I was still drinking for a good few years after that, you know. So what did you do when you when you finished up with American the American school then the international school where did, where did you do work wise? Well, American school was good because it opened my eyes to a possibility. And I went over to America and scholarships. I said, my first company was called Edusport USA. Right, um, so was that your it, first? That was that was where the Edusport idea came. Aye. So Edusport USA basically was helping young boys get scholarships in America. So that was my first. That was my first business. So I done that for a couple of years, and I sent over a hundred guys to America, mm-hmm. um, into different universities. Yep. Um, and that was that was good because it gave me that kind of, you know, that kind of buzz for being an entrepreneur and being your own boss and doing your own thing Aye. and trying to find solutions and make money through something that you love, which is football, obviously. Aye. Um, so that, that was good for a year or so, and then that led into the Sport Academy. Right, so what was, was what was the kind of was there a point then see when you, you had the idea to set up at the Edge Sport Academy because it was a as I said to you when I before I knew you I'd read an, I'd read it in the paper um about how it was a kind of unique private academy. And I, I remember I, I was quite early starting my gym and what I was trying to do with the gym was something a wee bit different as well. And I was thinking and I was questioning myself and I read your thing and I went, This guy's done it, so he's set up something that's totally kind of unique that nobody's done before. So I took a wee bit of it and I thought, well, He's done it, so it can work if you just keep keep at it, sort of thing. Um, so, what, what was it? Was there a, was there something that gave you the, that that specific idea? No, I mean I was playing at the time. I was playing for a club uh, um, in just near Paris, and I remember watching before I was training a uh, boys training the fourteens, and I thought, wow, there's some really good players in there, you know. Um, right. And that kind of, you know, gave me the idea to set up an academy because one thing, I mean, France, so many good football players, as you know, um, but their English is no great. Um, right. Could maybe say that about his Glasgow <laughs> as well. You know? but, but their English is no great. So, um, so I thought, right, let's, um, can, I, can I open an academy? You know, I was like, you know what, I want, I'd love to do that. I'd love to be like the owner or the director or the manager of a football club or an academy where you're working with young guys every day and yeah. try to improve them and, you can set your own kind of values and that kind of thing. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to set up my own academy. So how, how do you do that? I don't know. Never done it before. You know, but you, <laughs> you, you find a solution. You know, you say, right, you, need, you need a football park, you need coaches, you need accommodation. Um, you need, and the idea is that we do English language, so you need English language. So, you know, when you start piecing the jigsaw together, you start getting on the phone, you get emailing people, um, and you just piece it together. Um, and that, that's what I did, you know. And, you. and then once you got the... the once you got it, then you actually have to go and promote it and try and get people to come on and, and buy into it, you know? What was the kind of biggest hurdle or battle that you found at the start of that? Sorry, what was the kind of biggest... Man, every day there's... There's, <laughs> there's, there's loads. I mean, I remember, see, see when I set up the academy, we were supposed to be working with Mullerwood College, right? So they were going to, the boys were going to train up at Ravenscraig. Right. Um, North Lanarkshire. And they were going to... Um, their English at Motherwell College. So I had been speaking to Motherwell College for about literally about three or four months. Okay, I was speaking to a guy in there about the partnership and everything was fine and everything was, was working out well and it was all good. And I had Motherwell College on the website and they were going to be our partner. Brilliant. And then the academy, bear in mind the academy starting in September, I get pulled, I get a phone call from Motherwell College to go in and speak to the vice principal. I think it was in May or something like that. And I went into the office and he absolutely berated me. 
Did he? He, he basically yeah. says, who do you think you are using Motherwell College's name for your academy? This is never going to work. Football's a working class sport, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Giving me all sorts of abuse, you know. And, and I, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm annoyed with myself, right? Because I sat there and I took it, you know, because my Aye. head's thinking, yeah, man, what's going on here? Because Aye. basically I'd been speaking to somebody who was a manager, but it wasn't, it wasn't at the, the level we make decisions. Quite naive, I guess. But um, so long story short, is this guy who was a vice principal. I think his name's David Farewell, and um, but he was giving me all sorts of abuse, you know. And, and I sat there and I took it because in my head I'm thinking, well, can I still, you know, is it still going to happen, or can I go and find another college, or can I, you know? Yep. So I, I sat there and I took it, and I wish, I wish the rest of you had told him to get to, you know, but. Aye. It's too much to process at the time, isn't it? You're already thinking ahead, right? What am I going to do to, to get to get by this sort of thing? Exactly, and it was late. It was late in the day. It was me. I mean, it was late. So I'm thinking, I don't have a, I don't have a plan here. Do you know what I mean? If, 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 if my colleagues tell me, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here, you know. So I came out that, and then yeah, as you do again, it's if anybody's listening, we we're business. It's about solutions. It's about finding solutions. You know, it's about saying yes. right. Well, so it didn't, didn't work with my old college, so I, I went. I ended up. I found a, a partnership, and I got a partnership with Coke Bridge College, um, and it worked it. But to this day, I remember that guy telling me that your academy's never going to work. <laughs> um, I remember that. And so, is that always sat with you? Is yeah. that always been in your head? You've had a wee tough time. The guy up and be like, <laughs> It's always, it's always, always, I mean, it'd be great on it to go, to go back to a couple of people. Hi. <laughs> what about um, when you also, I mean, you just start a business, so it can be well, it's difficult and you're trying to get a bit of momentum and get it going. Was there any turning point with your business when it, it kind of it gathered momentum, it took off, and you went, right, that's that's that kind of know that you can take your feet off the gas, but you can go, right, well, that's actually working now. Oh. It's a, it's a difficult one with the academy because it's 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 every year you need to recruit. Yeah. So you might have fifty players this year, but then you need to go and get another fifty next year. Right. So, but I've been very fortunate, I think, because I've got really good staff, really good staff, good guys around about me. Um, obviously, I work hard to get to where we are, but I think also because the actual project itself is solid. You know, there's been nobody that said to me combining sport, education, and an experience abroad is is a bad idea. So that in itself, the foundations are there for the business. But, but, you know, we've, we've seen progress every year. So the first year I set up the academy, we had 18 players. Right. Um, the second year, we had 23. Then we had 35. Then we had up to 50. And it's been it's been consistently up to 50 over the last few years. Um, we, we have a, a rugby academy now. And we also have a, a basketball academy. So it's grown. Brilliant. Not only in terms of numbers, but the, the quality of the, the, the programme has grown. It's, we became members of the SFA a few years ago. We now have a team. We put a team in, the, the, which was the South of Scotland League. Right. Sport. And now we have a team playing in the Lowland League, so yes. so it's been a lot of, a lot of progress there. But it's never. I don't think you can ever sit back and say, oh, "I've made it." All right, it's working. You know, it's it's great. All oh, that's good, and it shows that you have a good a good plan and it's kind of working and all that. You know, you always need to push yourself to make sure. Aye, aye. As a, we'll go into the football stuff in a wee bit. But um, is there any advice? See, with the lessons that you learned early on in the business. Um, is there any advice CMD who's maybe in business or sort of think of setting up a business? Is there any anything that you learned that you would pass on? Any wee kind of golden nuggets? I mean, I think it's sort of the, the, the old cliches that really, for me, it's believing in yourself. Be, be honest with yourself. I think that's a key one. Be, be honest because you know, you know yourself, Mark, as well as anybody as well. If you're doing a good job, if you're, you know, if you're lazy, if you're working hard. Aye. So if you, if, if, 
be honest. And if, see, if, see if you're not winning a World Cup, that's fine. Don't work out, but don't expect the rewards. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? So it's be I... honest to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Be, be really honest. Be, be lucid um, and believe in yourself. You know, don't, don't let anybody tell you ever that you can't do something. Don't let Aye. anybody tell you that ever. You know, that's, that for me is a huge one. I mean, I remember as well when I, I used to, when I was like back and forth and I was going to America and I was in Paris, my auntie told me, and why don't you just get yourself a real job? You know, so <laughs> she said to me, you know, because her, her sons, to be fair, have done really well, but they've, they've got, um, they had apprenticeships and they were right. uh, Rolls Royce and stuff, so they came out of school, apprenticeships, and for her, yep. that was a real job. And good on, good on the boys, have done brilliantly well. But everybody's different, do you know what I mean? It's she, when you were younger, did you did you have the idea you wanted to own a business? You wanted to be a, like a businessman? No, really, mate, if I'm being honest. But I did have I did have this idea that I wanted to be my own man. Right. You know, I wanted to be free to travel. Or I wanted to answer to myself. Aye. I didn't necessarily translate into being an entrepreneur young. Aye. Um, but I just felt like... But to be fair, I mean, I didn't start making any money until I was about 32, 33. Aye. You know I mean, so, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, I lived in New York, I lived in Florida, I went to Thailand, I came to Paris with nothing, I had that freedom to come to Paris with nothing because if you've got nothing to lose, then you've, you know, you've got, you're, yeah. all, you're, you're more inclined to take risks. Whereas some of my pals went to uni or they get apprenticeships and then they've got the, the mortgage and the family, which is great, but it's, but then they can't maybe travel, they don't yeah, have either. freedom. Yeah. So yeah. Everything needs like a balance as well, you know. What keeps you going then? See, if times have got tough, see, like you're saying, every year's like a kind of, every year you're almost kind of starting again, you're recruiting, you're getting people in. Um, what keeps you going, see, with tough times with business? Is it things like, see, like that guy from Motherwell College and your auntie saying, like, you'll never, it'll never work or go and get a real job? Is it things like that? Or is there, is there anything else that you just kind of, you hear yourself talking to? No, I think it's just being the best that you can be. You know, it's trying to always you know, improve on things. I always say that in the academy, I have two main responsibilities. It's to make sure that the boys in the academy are well taken care of and everything's going well, but also to make sure next year's better than last year. Aye. So it's all about being a, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's about self-improvement every single day, being a better director, being a better coach, being a better husband, being a better guy, being a better father every day. Aye. And I know Aye. that's difficult, um, but that's what kind of drives me. It's not, I mean, I'm, I, 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 you don't, obviously we don't know each other and that, but, Money is not a motivator for me. Um, it's about trying to create something of value, something that my, I know it's a bit cheesy as well, but something that my three wee girls can look at and say, oh, my dad did that, that was great, you know. But I pride. Um, pride me, aye, and it's, but in a good way, pride, not to be the big man and say, oh, check me, I've got an academy, or check me, I'm doing this, but just aye. so you can see, you know, I've done my best, man, you know what I mean? We're doing <laughs> on this earth, I've done my best, you know. Aye. And, if I, and if I've helped people along the way, so be it, you know, and if, if I've made some money along the way, great. I mean, so it's, it's again, it's about being honest, you know. Just, just to kind of talk about the, the how the, the actual model of the academy, you get you recruit, uh, you recruit young uh, young sports people, football players, rugby players, basketballers. You recruit yeah. them for France and you send them over to Scotland. Yeah, exactly. And they, they come to Glasgow to learn English through that. Probably, man. Um, so, is there any be kind of any be rules? that you, kind of day-to-day, any rules or routines day-to-day or in business, if you've got a business decision, is there any rules that you don't break? Um, or is there any kind of really life rules or routines, like you maybe say like a Sunday's family day, anything like that? No, that, that for me is something that I'm probably 
I need to get better at because I do work kind of off, I wouldn't say off the cuff, but I do have a lot of ideas that sometimes I need to channel my ideas, I need to channel my energy. Um, And sometimes when you are a business owner, you do need to set aside time for the family. I mean, I really respect what you do, you know, getting up in the mornings and going for your run and being really disciplined with yourself. I think that's fantastic, you know. Um, And I would love to be able to do that. You know, I've I've started trying to eat better, I've started trying to um, work it, you know, and um, and just trying to get just these wee, wee habits that just make you a better person that hopefully transfer into being a better you know, boss or a better director or a better business owner. But there's no, nothing that I would say that there's any the rules upon myself. So uh, you, mentioned a, you mentioned a wee bit about the football. See, um, your your Sport Academy team, have you got two teams now? Because I know you've got the Caledonian Braves. I. So what I, was it? So that's been. Um, that's tell, been us a a bit of, tell us a wee bit about that then. So we have Caledonia. So basically, Edgesport Academy. So when I set up Edgesport Academy in 2000 and, what, 2011, right. the, boy, the boys came over and it was just basically we were over playing football, uh, training, and, and getting English. We didn't play in a league, we didn't have a team, we played some friendly games. Then we would actually loan the boy, boys out to like a bland tire under 21s or a Howard or a Dumbarton or something. Ah, right, right. And then in 2014, I said, let's try and get the boys into a league so, so they can play on the weekend together. So, you know, if you ever you know, try to set up a club in Scotland, there's loads of different options. You can go under 21s, 18s, amateur, juvenile, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I decided, let's try, and get us into, let's try and get us into the pyramid system. So there's the, the south of Scotland, the east of Scotland. Um, yes. I thought, right, let's try and get us into the south because there's only one division in the south and there's two in the east. Right. So we applied to get into the south of Scotland, which is the sixth tier of Scottish football. Um, I went away down to, I think it was bigger or something, like that, Castle Douglas, down in the south of Scotland. Um, and I had, I had to pitch up um, who I was, what Edge Sport Academy are all about, French footballers and all this kind of thing. They're literally a room full of committee members, you know what I mean? Yeah, the clubs. Aye. Um, and to be fair to those guys, they, they actually said, all right, voted us into the league. So that was, that was, that was like, literally, that was a game changer. Because Aye, that was, that was mega, that, innit? Because that, there's nothing, Good. that was a point that had been nothing like that before, really, had there? Yeah, see those guys, with the greatest of respect to those guys, they were elderly guys, seniors who have been in the game 40, 50 years, committee guys, kind of, bowling club kind of mentality, you know? So, yeah. and I've came, I've came, you know, I've came up with this French football academy getting into the league. And I didn't think we would get in, you know, I thought they would just say, oh no, but, but they, they let us into the league and it was brilliant because it gave us an opportunity. You mentioned the word earlier on, so, and it's a magic word, it's opportunity, you know, Aye. But, but the opportunity, you need to go and actually do something, but, you know, so when we were actually allowed into the South of Scotland, it gave us an opportunity to create a football club. Aye. Um, so when we done it, I didn't have any big, you know, ambition or kind of, you know, thought process that we're going to up, go up through the pyramid system Aye. or that kind of thing. It was just... A place where the boys could go and play a game of football at least at level on a Saturday. Um, but to be fair, we went and won that league. So we won the league. We became the Aye. first club in Scotland. We became the first club in Scotland to get promoted in the pyramid system from the sixth tier of football into the fifth tier. Um, and it was great for us, but it gave me a headache in terms of the business because I realised that the young French boys that come over, uh, good young players, but not ready to go and play in the Lowland League. Aye. aye. So, so that was a challenge. So then I started thinking, well, we need to bring in some Scottish players, players who've played a bit of the game, who've been senior, who can actually right. come in and solidify. 
and consolidate our position. Aye. So we did that. The problem with that is those guys weren't paid. <laughs> Can you believe it? They actually weren't paid, those guys, you know? <laughs> so, um, charged at the end so of the week. <laughs> exactly, aye. Like, like your man there, aye. So, so, aye, so, and so that was a change in the business model. So it became, whereas you would usually have a football club that has an academy. We had an yep. academy that had a football club. Right. So, so that's when I came up with this project a couple of years ago called OurFootballClub.com but basically I wanted to open it up to the public who would pay £25 and they would actually become a, a member, like a fan if you like. Aye. They would get to decide on how the club is run, the decisions um, right. and we, we proposed that we would change the name of the club, we'd change the logo, we'd, we'd create a, a brand new football club. Right. So I launched that project a couple of years ago. We had over 800 members sign up from 35 different countries. And they basically voted to change the name from Edgesport Academy to Caledonian Braves. Right. So did you propose the name a, change? Uh, did you come up with the name? Or did, was it, who came up with the name of that? It was, it was all like, it was basically it was a forum. So boys were putting in ideas and then Caledonian Braves was one of the ideas that came up and then all the guys voted it. And Aye. basically that, that won the vote. So it became Probably. Caledonian Braves. So we got a bit of stick for that. fairness because people say, oh, Caledonian Braves, what's that? You know, it's an American team and all that. But, <laughs> That's what it is, you know, and we're, we're a brand new football club. The average, the average age of a football club in Scotland is something like 105 years old or something. Like that. Aye. And you use a brand new, and you are in the south, south of Scotland league now? We're in the Lowland league now. Lowland mate. league, sorry, Lowland league. And have you still got a team in the south of Scotland? Have you still got a second Aye, team? Aye, we still have say? a team in the south. Right. Aye, we've got a second team in the south. And we actually have five teams in the academy. So we've got um, a team in the south of Scotland. We've got a team in the under-20 league, Lowland league. We have a team that play with the Bucks, which is the British University and College. Right. Um, and we have a team. We have a team that play futsal on a Wednesday night in the, the, the Scottish futsal league. So, aye, it's certainly developed, you know. Aye, brilliant. And how about the? Just like, how's your dressing room? See, you've got the French boys and you've got the Scottish boys and that. Did they all go on? Because I've seen some videos. I'm sure I know a couple of boys that have played and they're, they're singing. Hang with the Glasgow boys are singing French songs. I know it's good. I mean, it's it's one of the things that we try to do at the, at the academy and, and at the club is recruit the right the right type of people. You know, no always the best football players, but just good guys the who want to work hard and uh, all that kind of thing. It's really really important. I know it's a cliche and it's it's branded about quite a lot, but it's it's so important. You know, so generally speaking, the guys are good, and I take a lot of pride in that because I live in Paris, but I'm still a Glasgow boy. Do you know what I mean? I'm Aye. still from Park, so Aye. I love to see when boys come over and you get the French boys at the end of the day speaking. Speaking uh, with a Glaswegian accent. <laughs> Brilliant, man. That's and, class. Uh, and that's what the project's all about. It's about sharing. It's about, you know, it's different cultures. And the end of the day, we all love football. Do you know what I mean? We're all just Aye. trying to get better at what we do. So, so there's a lot of similarities despite the cultural differences. What about the, what's your kind of long-term goals, see with the Braves? Are you, are you wanting to get into kind of full-time senior football? Aye. Just, aye. aye. Uh, and that's that's the great thing about the lonely is in the pyramid system because it offers clubs like ourselves and you know BSC, East Kilbride, Kelty, great example. You, you know, came out the juniors. Um, now hopefully going to get into League Two. But these clubs like ourselves, um, an incentive. You know, and I think that's something that's so important in life: incentive. Because if you've got incentive, it's an opportunity to better yourself. You know, so the idea is that we would hopefully one day get out the lonely and get promoted. Um, it's very difficult though because it's a it's a great it's a great league, you know, there's a lot of good teams in it, it's Aye. very competitive and it's only going to get stronger because of this new West League that's come in, Aye. so you're going to have, you know, some of your big junior teams now come in, try to get into the long league through promotion, so it's all, all it's exciting times, you know, it's, it's good, um, but we, we're actually in the process of launching an app, 
Right. So we, in the next couple of weeks, we will launch an app and we will be the first club in the history of Scottish football to have an app. Aye. Um, and the, the idea of the app is basically that fans can download the app and they can run the club through there. Right. So what sort of interaction would they have? Is that, like you say, kind of voting about decisions about the direction of the club or different things? Exactly. All of that kind of stuff, you know, so the, the app, they can, and it's aimed also at fans from out with Scotland so they can watch the games live, they can be streamed live. Ah, right. um, there's a in the chat room so you can chat with other fans. Um, you know, I know it sounds a bit pretentious and I don't mean to sound pretentious at all, but we have guys or fans who live in Singapore, who live in Australia, who live in America, Argentina. Probably Casim, Milk and Pollock and <laughs> you know, that. Um, it's, it's to bring those people together, do you know what I mean? F- football should be about bringing people together. So it's about that. It's, so there will be a chat room, they can vote on things, you know, it can be it can be small things like we're going to sell a pie in the pie stand, how much we're going to sell it for. Right. Um, you know, what, what kind which the really important things for me is like which what kind of club are we, what the what values do we have? Aye. What's Aye. all about, you know? So a lot of people, because we're a brand new club, a lot of people see that as being a disadvantage because we don't have a traditional fan base, we don't Aye. have um, a history, if you like. Aye. Where people see that as a disadvantage, I see that as a real opportunity because we can engage to create a football club. Aye. Exactly, Aye. and it's never been done before in Scottish football, so it's exciting times. Aye. So, Aye. I, so Aye. That, hopefully the Apple kick is on and people download it and get involved. Brilliant. And where do you play? Is it down at uh, Strathclyde Park? Your ground is? Aye, we, we just moved in to uh, we used to play down in Annan. Right. Oh, you ground shared with them, didn't you? Aye, so we played down in Annan for, for a few years. Um, and we were, we were trying for years to get a, a ground up closer to Glasgow, but it's been it's been a nightmare. It's been really, really difficult. So eventually we, we managed to work in partnership with North Lanarkshire Leisure. Right. Um, and we managed to develop, um, it used to be called Bodo Hall, and it's roughly Country Park. Um, and we, we brought that developed up to club licensing standard to allow us Probably. to play lonely league games there. So, so did, you have to, you had, did you have to develop that yourself or did you, did you do a partnership we, with North Lanarkshire? We done it with North Lanarkshire Leisure. So, I, so North Lanarkshire Leisure, we signed a lease for them. Um, right. And the academy trained there during the day. The Braves trained there at night. Um, and it's great because it's the first time we've had somewhere we can actually call home. Brilliant. And it's I know the challenge is how do we get fans to come down? How do we actually build that <laughs> aye, How do aye. we how do we get that local that community? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that that's a big challenge. But but it's a challenge that we're up for, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll crack on and try and get people to come down and watch the games. And you know, we just offered free season tickets to NHS workers. So anybody that works for the NHS, if you want to come to the games next Aye. year with their, their ID card, they get to the games for free, stuff right. like that. We'll try and get the school kids along. Um, and we'll try, we'll try and do that. I mean, it's and is it you that's mainly driving, drives everything? Or I know you said you've got staff. Do the staff just look after the coaching? Or have you got somebody who works with you on the business side of things? It's just myself, to be fair. Um, so... So it is quite a challenge sometimes as well because obviously you get the Braves, which is a semi-professional football club. You get the academy, um, and also I've, I've got my own cola as well. Um, so, but hopefully, see, but the, the whole thing about the the, the app and it's, it's also to get people involved. So whoever's a fan, if they wanted to get involved and say, you know what, I can I, I can get involved in helping with the commercial element of it. Right. I can get involved with engaging with the community, or I can get involved in a match day to sell the pies, or I can. Right. 
get involved is whatever. You know, it's about getting Brilliant. people to, to, to actually come and understand that it's their football club. So, so although I, I own it and although I created it, I'm, essentially I'm giving it away to people and I'm saying, you know what, together as a group, people were far more stronger than than just me alone, you know. Brilliant, man. That, brilliant. That's the idea. Hey, you mentioned there the, the drinks coming out. Sorry, give me a second. I'm just going to open my door. My dog's greeting at the door here. Too. <laughs> uh, well, man. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, mate. Uh, now, well, you mentioned... Can... Say that again, Sorry. So how are we with the connection? Is it all right? Aye, it's all right. It's a wee bit of a pause sometimes, but it's fine. It's fine. We're all right with it. Um, drinks company, then. Right. You mentioned there about your Alba Cola. Well, the Cola, Alba Cola. That's my dog's name, actually, Alba. <laughs> yeah. I know, I saw that, mate. Yeah. Good name. Uh, right, so what, what happened to that then? How did you get to start? With, uh, what was the idea there? Don't know, mate. I think it was a midlife crisis. <laughs> and which, uh, so, no, is, is it, it? Is it see the Paisley Drinks Company? Is that your company now? No, Paisley Drinks Company is something else. That's an, a boy called Brian, and he's right. actually set at the moment. He's he's done well. now. he's set up his own company, Paisley Drinks Company, and they're right. um, they're, they're selling Albacola for us at the minute. Are they distributing it for you? Right, 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 right. Aye, so they're doing that. But, but the Albacola came out. I was actually in holiday in France, and I asked. I was in a place in France called Auvergne on holiday, so it's in the centre right. of France. And I said, ask for a Coca Cola, and they gave me this thing called Auvergne Cola, which is a, a regional cola specific to that area. Aye. And I thought. All right, this is quite interesting. Never seen this before. And I thought initially, I thought, you know, I could work in Glasgow, like a Glaswegian cola or something like aye, that. Aye, aye. And then I thought, no, nah, the market's too small. And I thought, you know what, maybe it could work in Scotland. So I came up with this. But again, how, how do you how do you set up a cola? A guy, a guy from Pollock have absolutely no experience in food and drink. How do you set up a cola? You have to find it. You have to do a bit of research. And eventually I found, I found a laboratory down in Brighton, down in England. Right. So I went over there. Um, sat in there for a day and made made this cola. So you, you come up with a recipe, you taste all these different colas, um, and you come out with, with different versions. You come home, you test it with your mates, and you choose a version that you like, and then you work on it, and then basically you have the recipe. Brilliant. So, <laughs> and then, so I so came up with that, and then obviously you need to do the, the packaging and, and all the marketing that goes behind it. So I think it's, it's something that's really, really exciting, actually, because I think we've got an excellent product. I think it's something that's really, really good. Um, but it's a very difficult market, you know. Aye. Um, are, you, are you quite hands-on with that as well, trying to drive that as well? I have somebody that works for me with that. So he's um, he's my man in Scotland that, that deals with that. And he, um, you know, he's business development guy. Who's, Aye. You know, trying to get it distributed and try to you know, get it in the bars and the retail and stuff like that. So obviously I'm there to drive it forward, but he's the man on the ground because... Aye. Brilliant. You know, but it's, it's been great. I mean, it's been really well received. People people seem to love it. You know what I mean? It's like, I love the concept of it. Um, some people like it. Some people don't like it. Then they're it's a cola. You know what I mean? It's You're never going to please that with you, Which What's kind of different about it then? What makes it what makes it Scottish? It's got a big golden unicorn on the can. <laughs> it's called Alba. It's made with Scottish water. Rain. Scottish rain. Aye. Um... 
and it's uh, it's got a heather extract in it, so it's got yeah. a wee bit of botanics in it. Um, right. It's a premium soft drink, you know. It's just uh, a, wee, yeah. it's a wee bit different. It's got less sugar than. I was going to say, is that a natural raw sugar brands. or something that's in it? Aye, it's refined cane sugar, aye. So it's yeah. uh, it's, it's all good. You know, it's a really good drink. I mean, I'm really I'm really pleased with it. Do you know what I mean? And people genuinely, people seem to really like it, which is great because I'm I'm really sensitive. You know, so if somebody says I don't like that, I take that. Um, but most people like it, you know. Aye, and it's great because you're sitting at home and you get a wee message on Instagram. Oh, I just tried your cola; it's brilliant, you know. And you're like, brilliant, oh, cool. aye. So, um, aye. Aye, but it's um, but it's going. To, it's a it's a long process, you know. We, we just before the just before COVID, um, we were getting taken into Edinburgh Castle and Edinburgh Castle, Edinburgh Castle, all that kind of thing. Right, brilliant, man. What about right? Just to take it back a wee touch. You don't drink anymore, Chris. When when did you stop drinking? I stopped drinking uh, just over seven seven years ago. Aye. And was uh was it just a decision you just went, this is holding me back? Um, or was there any sort of kind of events that led to you going like that's that enough's enough? No, it was it was a gradual was like a gradual process, mate, to be honest. Aye. But um it's the best thing I've ever done, you know. Aye. Uh, I probably I started I mean, the problem is, see, when you're from Scotland, you, you don't, sometimes uh, you, you don't really understand or you don't know you've got a drink, drink problem because it's just it's culture. It's just a culture, just isn't it? Aye, aye. And it's acceptable, you know, if aye. you're mad with it, you forget stuff, you're going to fight, oh, it's just awesome weekend we had there. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's probably more unacceptable when somebody doesn't but, drink in it. It's merely a... Exactly, aye. It's, it's a bit obvious, it's weird though, you know. <laughs> um, what do you mean you're not drinking? No, but, um, but I think when my dad got cancer when I was 19, and that's when I really started drinking heavily because that right. stage anyway, you're stuttering about and kicking about. Aye, aye, that, you know? But I, I, look, looking back now, a bit of maturity, that's when I was trying to escape all that kind of thing by just right. drinking. You know, that was my escape. And that's yep. often the case for addicts, is they escape some kind of pain, whatever it may be in their life, through yep. maybe drink, drugs, chocolate, sex, whatever it is. Um, do you know what I mean? So, but. but if the truth, truth be told, I, I dodged so many bullets, mate. You know, I had so many problems, fights, fights, all, all sorts, as you can imagine, you know. Aye. Um, you don't see that at the time, didn't you? It's only new when you, when you look back and you think, fucking hell, man. But, but a wee bit, you, you, you know, I mean, how many times have you heard people say, no, I'm a, that's me, I'm off it, you know, Aye. I'm definitely off it, and next week I'll back on it. You know? So, so and, and I was getting a bit older, I started my academy, I, was, I had my first baby, Josephine, um, my wife was pregnant with we her second, um, and I was, uh, see if I'm being honest with you mate, I was getting a bit bored with myself, uh, Aye. you know, I was saying, you know what, see, see I, I'm not that guy, I, I was, my relationships weren't great with people, yep. um, I was, I was, I was home and I was getting cans just to drink cans in the house, Aye. Um, I was less productive, and I didn't yeah. like the guy, I'm being honest, I didn't like the guy I was becoming, so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to wrap this, so I tried to stop myself, I stopped for a few months, um, and then I would get back on it again, and and one day I remember it well, I was in Paris um, and I was on my scooter and I just, it was, a, it was like a Thursday afternoon or something, beautiful day and I just stopped and I went in a pub and I drank 13 pints of Guinness. Did you? For no reason. During the day. During the day, no reason. I wasn't like it just because, I don't even know why I done it. And I went up the road and I get cans to drink and I drank all the cans. I had a, a thought with my wife, you know, shouting at her, she shouted Aye. And I, and I thought, the next morning I woke up, oh, wow, what have I done here? I've fucked up again. Aye. Um, and, you know, and that was that. It was a change of me. I said, this is definitely this thing I'm done. And stuff like that because 
Um, quite sorry, so sorry, Chris. The, the, sing, the signal, the signal went a wee touch. Yeah, I just take that, just take that back a wee bit. The signal went a wee touch. So, just you, you woke up the next morning and you thought, right, fuck, what have I done? I just woke up the next morning, full of regret, full of that. You know, what have I done this time again? And you know, we, and I just thought, nah, I'm not having this. You know, so. Um, I decided then that I'm going to really definitely stop drinking and I, I went to AA in Paris so I went to Aye. my first meeting on a Sunday morning um, and that helped me because it, it helped me understand that there's other people like me it's not Aye. just you're not just on your own there's other people that struggle with drinking Aye. and things like that um, more, more importantly it gave me a routine because Aye. instead of going drinking I would just go to meetings go to meetings I would, go to meetings and I wouldn't drink and it's, a, it's an old cliche don't drink for a day but just and I, that was it, and I just went, and I, I was fortunate because it was in Paris, because the A in Paris is, for me, it's is a wee bit different from A in Glasgow, because it's all different types of people, there's fucking musicians, there's rock stars, there's fucking models, there's <laughs> writers, it's, it's just really, it's just really, it's just really interesting, because people are just telling, telling you all about their stories, and it's just, you yep. sit there and go, oh, this is pretty cool, um, and, and it really helped me, you know, and it was just getting into the routine of no drinking, and I've been seven years sober, and it's just, the best thing I've ever done. I've seen my, my business grow, my relationship with my wife's never been as good. Um, yeah. We've had a, we've managed to have a third baby, which we would never have had Penelope, who's the wee one, we would never oh, have we, had her if, if I hadn't stopped drinking. So me stopping right. drinking is actually Everything's just flourished. Aye, you know I mean? so, to be fair, aye, and it's been, you know, so it's been good. And I think if, if you were to ask me what's your biggest emotion about no drinking today, I would probably just say relief. I just relieved, man. Aye. You know, because you know that there's less chance you're going to get any bother, less chance that you're going to make poor decisions. Of course, um, you remember the next morning you wake up, you'll feel fine. Um, you know, and I was in Glasgow a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, and you know, and I love Glasgow, but see when you're walking about Glasgow on a Saturday night sober, and you Aye. just see some of, the, some of the stuff you see, and I walked by the Horseshoe Bar, and two lasses <laughs> literally fell out the club, fighting each other, literally <laughs> going to the club. <laughs> but you're just like wow, and that's that's right. I'm not I'm not here to judge anybody. Do you know what I mean? But I'm just like, glad it's not me. Aye, I, um, I think I, I think I it's I think no no drink like that. Like you say, it just does it opens up a kind of opens up your mind a wee bit. I think you can think a lot clearer. Well, last year I never drank. Last year I had a wee a wee bit <laughs> a wee bit a mad one um, last Christmas for the football. And we just moved into the new house. Kirsty was pregnant about seven months and I stayed out later and I said I was gone. I hadn't done it like that for ages. Don't even think I'd done it like that since I've been with Kirsty. And I just went, no, nah, that's, that's that. So I never drank at all last year. And then I had a whiskey at the Bells. And I have a, I have a wee whiskey um, at, at night at the weekend. I'll have a whiskey, but I'm no, I'll no go out to drink. It's, it's weird, right? It sounds weird. I'll drink non-alcoholic beers because you can drink four or five of them and you're obviously you're brand new. There's no... Because I, I like the taste of a cold beer, but I don't want to get that wee done in me. So I'll drink that, but I'll have I'll have a wee I'll have a whiskey, but I'll pour a wee whiskey like it, like you would get in a pub, and that's it. And then I'll put it because I'm not going to drink that to go out and get mad with it. I'll drink it because I like the taste of it. But then it's away, and I put it I put it away. So I and last year it was a big it was a big big change for me because I wasn't I wasn't going to get mad with it all the time, but I was drinking red wine beers and that at the weekend. Um, and you're waking up and you're feeling a bit kind of lethargic and things, but like just like you're saying, it's just a, I'm never going to go and get mad with it and all that again. That's done. All that, like you say, it's like a relief because you know I'm not, I'm not going to wake up rough. I'm not going to make any bad decisions. 
and I'm always I'm always going to be a better guy, I think, if you're sober. <laughs> no, I definitely would agree with that totally, 100%. Mate. What would you say um, what would you say was your biggest life lesson? Biggest life lesson? Um, it's a hard question, because there's a lot. I think just, again, again, like I said, when I stayed in Paris, um, a lot of guys might have went back, and uh, I managed to believed in me, could make it happen. Um, and if that's been the case, I've had a lot of tests. I get released from Motherwell when right. I was um, when I was young. That was a hard one for me to take. Um, so that was that was a lesson as well um, because I was a good footballer. You come from Pollock, and you know yourself if you're a good footballer in a scheme, you get a lot of respect. People look up to you because you're a good footballer, and it's almost like you're living the hopes and aspirations of other people more yep. than your own. Aye. So when you get released, you think you've let people down. Yeah, you know what I mean. You haven't, but you feel that you feel that you've let down your parents, your family, your mates. It's not, it's not the case. But you're young, and you, you think you do. So that was a hard one to take. But my dad was a bricklayer, and I get released on the Friday or whatever it was, on the Monday, go out of my bed, take one labour to him. And the right. <laughs> you know what I mean, so that was a good life lesson because I did sit a bit open, work ethic, and still done you really. Just getting out and getting and making some money and, and, and on it and realising that you, anything you want in life, you've got to work hard for it because they pay as much as... Nobody cares, you know? <laughs> nobody, nobody really cares. I know that sounds terrible, do you know what I mean? I know your pals and your family will want you to do well in that, but at the end of the day, it's your life. You've got to go and make the mess of it yourself. You know, exactly. You do anything. You know what I mean? So you need excuses, you need regrets, and it's all, it's all out there, you know? People say that many times, but it is. You know, and it all comes back to being honest with yourself. What do you want out of life and what you want to put in together? Aye. <laughs> it's a cracker, nobody cares. It's true, but isn't it? it is, it's fucking true, mate. Um, would you go back and do anything differently? Um, do, do you know what? It's a good question again, and I'm not one of these guys that say, oh, I regret that. And I've, I've had, you know, I've had a, a, a good life despite all the problems I had with my alcoholism and my dad dying, and you know, I've had a really good life. Um, would I do anything differently? Maybe, maybe stop. Drinking earlier, maybe be, be maybe more careful when I was younger about getting into the trap of alcohol. Maybe, maybe you know I stayed for that extra beer in Amsterdam. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last question: If you could get back and advise a sixteen-year-old you, what would you say? What advice, knowing everything that you know now, what would you go back and, and what advice would you go back and give yourself at 16 year old? Um, I think, again, but just believe in yourself, you know, if you, if you put your mind to something, um, go and do it, um, you know, be focused, be determined, um, and try and you know, try and enjoy your life as best you can because it is, it's a short life in it. And Aye. I know, see, people used to say to me, oh, you, before you know it. See, when I was 16, it seems like two weeks ago. <laughs> but now I say to my, I say to the young boys that come out of the academy, I say, listen, make the most of this because tomorrow you're 30 with three kids, you know what I mean? So <laughs> take, take it and really make the most of it, you know, and don't have any, it's all these cliches that are true, don't have regrets, you know. The only Aye. thing I would say to any young boy is just be careful with the, with, with the, the temptation of drinking. I was fortunate I was never into drugs or anything like that, you know what I mean? But see, it's just so easy nowadays, you know what I mean? So I would just yep. say to any young people out there, just be careful with that, you know? Because it's so easy to get sucked into that kind of carry on yep. drinking that, you know? Um, but, but no, but I've, I've been lucky, mate, you know, I've, I've got a decent life in Paris, I've got great kids, got a great wife, I've been very lucky, I love my job. 
Um, and if I can do that, and if I can speak French today, um, <laughs> anybody can. Oh, you mate. I think there's. I think there's been a couple of cracking decisions that you've just you've just made. Like you just decided, fuck it, I'm going to get to Paris. You were in Paris. You went, fuck it, I'm going to phone PSG. See if I get the geese a job. Then you went, fuck it, I'm going to set up an academy. And then and then through the academy and that, and well, fuck it, we're just going to start a football team, get them into the Lowland League. And then I like that cola. I'm going to make my own cola. It's brilliant, mate. It's just you just went had that idea and went, fuck it, how'd I do it? And just went and fucking done it, man. And I think that's a good take home for a lot of people. There's obviously a, there's a lot of stuff that, that in this for, for your experiences and what you've told us. I think there's hundreds that people can take him. But it's, all the things there, it's just having that idea and just going, fuck it. How do I do it? And what, how you do it? And like, what as he said, just piecing the jigsaw together to, to get it done. Exactly, mate. No, it's been that. And nobody, if, if you really believe in yourself and you do it with a, a certain level of humility without any arrogance, it's amazing what you can achieve. You know, and it's, it's not always going to be easy, mate. But I always say, I say to my young guys at the academy, it's the decisions that we make in difficult times that will determine what type of man we are. And it will Aye. determine the success or the failure of the man, you know. So it's not what Aye. you do when things are going well, it's what you do when things are not going well. It's those decisions that you make. Do you take Aye. a step forward or do you take a step back, you know? If you take a step forward, you'll, you'll, you'll go far. That's, that, by the way, that's, that's a cracking point. That's a cracking point, mate, all that one. Uh, Chris, I'm going to finish it off there. I'm going to stop the recording, and I'll get a wee blur of you quickly after the, after the recording, but I'm going to finish it off there. Thanks very much, mate. I was, that was, is there anything else you want to add in, actually, sorry, before I, before I stop the recording? No, mate, just thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure to, to, to chat to you. And if anybody gets anything, get a laugh, or they get anything they can take for that, then, then great. If I, think there's, you know, I think there's millions. I think there's millions you could get for that, Chris. Uh, Chris, thanks very much, mate. Thank you.